this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover and you are listening to Faith Talk. On this platform, we, we intend to draw relevancy from the biblical text and through our dialogue, bring clarity to our religious experience. So thank you for being part of our listening community. Today, I'm going to be sharing some of my sacred story with you, my testimony, as they say. Um, I'm sharing this story not for self-recognition or publicity, but to point to God's activity in my life, his provision, his care, his rescue, his healing, his prospering me, and his transformational power that has changed my life. Well, you know, we like to say that we got saved. Well, I want to tell you that I got saved from a lot of hurt, harm, and danger. Now, if you want to come on in as a guest and, and share your experience with God, please do so. You're invited to, um, and I would really like to hear of your journey with God. After all, this is not all about me. But I'll, I'll get started with a bit of my own story. I'm the youngest of four children born in the Bronx, New York in 1956. My mother was sickly and my father was upwardly mobile and he achieved various levels of success. Because of my mother's condition, I was raised for the most part by my beloved grandmother, and she had a great impact on my life. So if I have the story right, my grandmother, Nana, as I called her, came to New York from, from North Carolina when she was approximately 16 years old with her only child, my mother, and her husband. Now eventually in New York, she, she got a job as a writer for a catalog magazine in which she wrote the descriptions for each item that the catalog offered for sale. As time went on, my, my grandmother became interested in, in serving her community and politics. She became politically active in the community. She came from humble beginnings, but in New York, she, she worked with the Community Planning Board, the African American Women's Taxpayers Association, as well as joining the, the NAACP. And as time went on, she eventually became the chairperson of the NAACP Williamsbridge branch in the Bronx, New York. Now her political involvement continued to expand and, and even as a child I was moved by her great um, charisma as they say. People were drawn to her and I believe it was the love of God in her that drew people to her in this way. Community leaders, clergy, politicians, civil rights activists, and others were often at her home. 
So now, here's something special. I remember my grandmother, Nana, showing me a picture of Medgar Evers, the civil rights activist. activist. He was visiting her at her home and having dinner with her. The photo was snapped by the photographer as she was serving him dinner. Shortly after that picture taking, I learned that Medgar Evers was murdered. I got to see another picture of my grandmother in the, what we call the Jet Magazine. And she was standing in front of a wreath that she was bringing to Medgar Evers' gravesite. So I was always in the context of, of politics and, and through my grandmother, through her political activity, in the context of politics and civil rights activism. Now my grandmother, although she came from humble beginnings, God prospered her. And she would work with Martin Luther King Jr. as a uh, New York coordinator for the, the March on Washington. She worked with Robert F. Kennedy. She worked with Nelson Rockefeller on his gubernatorial campaign as he ran for governor. She worked with John Lindsay and many other prominent leaders. In Harlem, New York, she worked with Percy Sutton. So my time with my grandmother as a young child was filled with her, with her imparting ethical lessons and moral obligations and values to me that I still carry along this life journey. Now, on the dreadful day that my grandmother passed away, I found something in her house, something that I was looking for. I was actually looking for money that I knew she kept in, in an aluminum, aluminum foil. And I was searching every nook and cranny in the house my, my search led me to a closet. And, and I turned on the light, and I looked up on the highest shelf, and there I saw this aluminum foil sticking out from the shelf. And with joy and excitement in my heart, I reached up, pulled down the tin foil, and braced myself to open it. I opened it up, only to find a a fading front page newspaper article from North Carolina. There wasn't any money in there. The cover story on this newspaper was covering someone's funeral. And this person's funeral was attended by 4,000 people in Winston-Salem, North Carolina and had a 200-car procession. The man who died was my great-grandfather, Benjamin Hamlet. He was a, a former slave who had become a preacher. He had become the pastor of a church with 25 members. He served there for a, a, a number of years, and by the time he died, the membership role of that church went from 25 members to 4,000 members. And this is a long time ago. So yes, I, I did find the treasure. It wasn't the one I was looking for, but I certainly found the treasure of my ancestor, 
Benjamin Hamlin being the pastor of a church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So now in this, all of this political environment that my grandma lived in, it's safe to say that some of my grandmother's friends and colleagues thought that I, her little grandson, was destined for a life of service and an ascent in this political arena. That seemed to be the logical, natural flow of things. But I had other plans for me. I wanted to be a rock star with an emphasis on, on the star. I wanted to play the guitar in front of thousands of people. So now, chasing this passion for music as a young teenager led me to, to gain a measure of success. I actually ended up playing with, with, with a, a very well-known group. The group was the Delphonics. And together we shared the stage with legendary R&B groups such as Blue Magic, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, with Teddy Pennegrass and Sharon Page, the Stylistics, the Shylights, Black Ivory, the Dells, Major Harris, Chuck Brown, the godfather of Go-Go from out of DC, and many more. And all of this came as I enjoyed this wonderful experience, the privilege of working as a guitarist for the Grammy Award-winning R&B singing group that Mighty Delphonics. This was certainly excitement on steroids. Being, being on stage with the legendary William Puji Hart, his brother Wilbur, and, and Randy Kane, the original Delphonics, was a, a magical experience for me. They sang hits like, Didn't I Blow Your Mind, and La La Means I Love You, and Hey Love, just to name a few. This was a precious experience for me, and I loved those brothers. William Hart, the lead singer of the Delphonics, he recently passed away and my heart was truly saddened by his passing. Randy and Major Harris both passed away some time ago, and Wilbur Hart is the last man standing, God bless him. Anyone else you see that's calling themselves the Delphonics is accounted for. But as much as I loved my involvement in the music business at that time, somehow it didn't give me the joy happiness, peace, and prosperity that I thought it would as I chased after this passion. We were meeting a lot of people, people from Soul Train. It was fun, we were meeting everybody. But it didn't bring me the peace and happiness that I thought it would. So coming to this realization, <clears throat> I remember praying to God. You know, the music business is one in which you can develop some self-destructive behaviors, and I certainly did. But I prayed to God and asked him to give me a regular job, like regular people, so that I could take care of my family. And if I got this regular job, I would walk away from this music business. And you know what they say, God answers prayer. So in time, I ended up with a job 
in the international banking world with a, a 30 year plus run with a career in the financial sector down there on Wall Street, international global trade finance. Yes, I worked for First Chicago in New York. I worked for Bankers Trust Company. I worked for the Bank of California. And finally, Deutsche Bank. But now, my, the transformation of my life didn't, was not in an instantaneous answer to my prayer. There was one morning that God touched me. The question is, how did I get there? The truth of the matter is that I was on a, a, a path, a trajectory towards despair. I was very unhappy, very unsettled, very disquieted in my life. There was tension pulling, pulling me to a place of, of despair. And at the height of my trouble in my soul, I can remember coming in my house one morning and, and the sun was coming up. I was out all night long doing my thing. And the sun came up, I came in the house, I went to go in my, in my bedroom, my wife was in there praying. And I could sense the presence of God so strong in the room that I backed out of the room quietly and shut the door. And she continued to pray. Now when I sat down, tears began to stream down my face. And I, I was crying my heart out. In, in, a, in, a, in an instantaneous touch. I went from, from partying a few minutes earlier, now here I am sitting in the chair crying. And it was the night, that morning was the night, the morning that, that God was doing surgery on my, in my heart. And sitting on the table, in the wretched condition that I was in, there was a Bible there. And I picked it up and tried to read it. And the tears overwhelmed me. From that day going forward, I never put that Bible down. I continued reading the Bible for the next 30 years. And eventually, you know, I, I was, I. I, I decided to, after a while, I decided to go to church. I was watching Christian television, and a lot of the things that were on the TV were appealing to me. Later on in life, I found out that I really no longer agreed with those, those things. But eventually, I, I decided to go to church, and it was different from what I saw on television. I saw people being served, people in needy people in the community being served. I saw drug addicts being brought to the church and, and, and being sent to, to rehabilitation centers and getting help for their lives. I saw children in the community being fed with food from food pantries and hot meals served. So it was altogether different from what I saw on television, which was at that time was mostly 
about um, you know people preaching prosperity gospel. So I went. I joined. Eventually went to church. Joined the church, and my wife and I and I ended up playing the guitar in the church. And we were there for a number of years, involved in the music ministry. So it was. Um, now I don't want people to be misled. When I say I cried all, you know, one morning and God touched my life, that sounds very poetic. But I don't want you to think that I, you know, um, woke up one morning like Mother Teresa. That's not what happened. It was a journey that my life was being transformed, struggling with things that I had been wrestling with for many, many years. And, and God began to liberate me from the things that tried to separate me from the love of God. And then it was, so God, you can say God's activity in my life was one of rescue. That God rescued me and prospered me and, and began to mold me and shape me, as they say, in accordance with his will and purpose. Because left to my own devices, I wasn't faring too well. But now it was um, many years passed by and I was working down at Deutsche Bank in New York where the call to ministry really rose up within me. I felt like I was spending a lot of time chasing after something again that didn't fulfill my deepest desire. And I realized that God had called me to do something else. You know, at the time that I was working for the, for the, the last bank I was at, I, I had been a member of my church for about 14 years, volunteering in the music ministry, in, in the media ministry. And, and one day, my, my beloved pastor, he, he asked me if I would, would become a trustee. You know, I had a, a, a history in the international banking community down on Wall Street, and he asked me to be a trustee. So I accepted the invitation, right? I accepted his invitation to, pick, to use my experience and gifts to help the church. Right? Um, sometime later, I guess a couple of years later, uh, my pastor came to me and asked me to be a deacon in the church. And I also accepted the invitation. Sunday school superintendent asked my wife and myself to, to teach the young adults Sunday school class and we accept it. Now, again, I don't want you to get the impression, you know, I've only been talking for like 19 minutes now. I don't want you to get the impression that all of this stuff happened overnight. This is many, many years and many years of preparation and study and preparation and praying that I now was able, that somebody was confident in me enough to be able to teach a class, be a deacon, be a trustee, and all of these kind of uh, bringing my gifts to the church. So it wasn't just that I woke up one morning and decided I want to be a Sunday school teacher. So no. So then we we um, we we did vacation Bible study for the youth, taught the young adult class, and um, then one day I saw a sign in the church about a seminary, and and I thought about it and decided that I would really like to enroll. Many years ago, when I first came to the Lord, as they say, I, I remember asking a minister 
um, that I knew about Bible college. And he told me, he had the nerve to tell me that I wasn't Bible college material. Now, I think that he was looking at me just coming off the road, as they say, and he wasn't looking at, he wasn't seeing me as God saw me. So, you know, I just kind of took his thought. I didn't really pay much attention to it, but I did not at that time um, sign up for a Bible college. This time, I thought about it and I decided that I would enroll in the New York Theological Seminary in their certificate program. And this, this certificate program was a, a certificate, a two-year program um, in, in Christian ministry. So now, this is a, a life-changing experience. We took courses in preaching, in church, Old Testament, New Testament, preaching, pastoral care, church history, um, ethics, um, all sorts of courses that made up this two-year curriculum. And, and the teaching staff was wonderful. They spoke into my life in immeasurable ways. That was a two-year program. So when I, when I finished this two-year program, the Certificate of Ministry at New York Theological Seminary, um, I was, um, uh, went on to, to um, I enrolled in the Master's Degree of Religious Education degree program track. So I, I was now in pursuit of a master's degree in religious education. Somewhere along that, somewhere along that line, I was uh, licensed as a minister by my pastor at my church. So New York Theological Seminary was a phenomenal experience for me. Teaching staff spoke into my life. I sat under the tutelage of world-renowned scholars and teachers. The professionalism was unsurpassed. And I was so, so fired up from that two-year program and prepared that, that um, in this Master's of Religious Education degree, I did very well. Now again, um, as a matter of fact, I, I'm not bragging here, but God was with me and I, I was able to graduate um, from the master's um, program with a 4.0, right? And, and wondering what I would now do. Um, I didn't want to be in the bank, and I wanted to be involved in ministry um, on a full-time basis. I was wondering what would I now do with this degree, um, and God opens doors. And I became a uh, chaplain in a Catholic Jesuit institution. Now, I, I'm, I'm ordained in the Baptist tradition, but this particular university was looking, a uh, Jesuit university was looking for a Protestant chaplain, as they say, somebody to, to support the students who weren't Catholic. Um, now, again, if there's, if there's anybody out there listening that wants to share their story with me today, please come on in and tell me about your journey and encounter with God. Or if you, or if you have a question 
about my perception of God throughout all of this and how my theology or my so-called understanding of God has changed over the years, feel free to come on in with your questions or your own story. So um, let's see, I want to welcome all those who have joined the room or that are in the room and please feel liberated. I, I like to use the word liberated because that's what God did for me. He liberated me from, from vices that were um, had a, a grip on me and, and gave me the freedom, freedom, internal freedom to love God back, realizing that God really loved me. Now see, as a child, I think that my God um, construct, as they say, my perception of God, of my image of God was very childish. I, I saw God as, as kind of like a, a celestial scorekeeper that was just waiting, counting up my good deeds against my bad deeds and just waiting to send me to hell when I messed up. Um, and I don't know how I got that perception, but I do believe <laughs> that it probably happened in, uh, from listening to people because I certainly wasn't really reading the Bible as a little kid. So I think from listening to people talk, uh, I got this image of God that was really inconsistent than, uh, or different <clears throat> than my current understanding of the person of God and his, his activity in people's lives. So um, eventually then I became um, ordained. I became a chaplain at a university. I got ordained as a minister and um, my desire now is to simply sit with people and share the good news of the gospel. Now this story again, I'm, I'm sharing this story not to, to bring any, um, any recognition to myself, but I want to point to the God who I say rescued me, prospered me, along my journey and God is is a God that that's what he does you know there's a scripture that says I know the plans that I have for you yes God has plans to give you a future and hope we've heard a lot of things about God but I think it's good for people to be led to uh, to enter into the sacred space of prayer and dialogue, talking to and hearing from God. Now on this, on this platform, I, I hear a lot of um, people that reject the idea of God. And, and, um, and I understand that. And I think also that that is primarily based on what they've seen people do and what they've heard people say. And their image of God is um, based off of those things. But I have found that if you want to know something about somebody before you draw conclusions, you should talk to them. So spend time with them and get to know them. So one-on-one. -on -one. So, so what I'm saying is that the person who declares themselves as an atheist and, and I don't believe in God, I agree with you in this way. I agree with you that the God that you don't believe in does not exist. Because I'm saying that your, your image of God 
is, is um, distorted from something that you heard or something that you experienced. I would suggest, I would hope that somebody would be led to, to enter into prayer, faithfully, prayerfully read this Bible for yourself, not based on what other people have told you or what you heard a preacher on TV tell you, but look into it for yourself and, and um, allow God to speak to you through this biblical text. We believe that the, the Bible is, a, is the breathed word of God that came through the hands of men. And there's a lot of room for, for misinterpretation. There's a lot of room for a lot of error. There's a lot of error in the practices of the church. But I would suggest that um, you look for yourself, okay? And pick up the Bible, read it for yourself. What we like to say is that this love story of God is where you'll find his self um, the, his self disclosure towards you. He'll tell you all about himself. You get to know someone and I believe that you will walk away with a different experience. If you approach it reverently and, and prayerfully, you'll walk away from this encounter with God um, with a different uh, with a different image of God and a uh, a different um, God construct. You'll come to know that God is a God that loves you as opposed to God being uh, one that wants to punish you and cause you to suffer. There's a lot of things that we've heard about God and, and we've seen religious leaders act in ways that are certainly inconsistent with um, the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. So we can't base our uh, our concept of God based on what poor examples have shown us. We need to go directly to the source, and that source can can you can encounter that source through the biblical text and through much prayer. So now I am going to sign off now. Again, if there's anybody who wants to come on in and share this story, please do. Share your story. Please do. I want to remind you that um, the goal of this podcast is, is, I know today I've been sharing my story. I just want to let you know that God is able to transform your life. You may be in a place of despair um, and suffering, emotional crisis. You can be in a place of, of desolation, but I want to let you know that God is able to lift you, to rescue you, to resurrect you from this state of mind, this state of being, and transfer you from, from darkness into the light, as we say. He'll turn your, your sorrow into joy. So the purpose of, of, of me sharing this story is simply to tell you that God is able to change your life and bring you to a, a better place. The, the purpose of this podcast is to, again, to share our sacred stories with one another. We can learn from one another and our faith can be um, built up and strengthened. We, we can bring clarity to our own religious experience <clears throat> through our dialogue and we can certainly draw relevancy from the biblical text, relevancy for our lives today. What can we learn? What can we learn? We're reading someone else's story, right? We were thousands and thousands of years ago, but is there something that we can learn from this story? So those are some of the things that we talk about on this on this Faith Talk um, platform. 
You can visit my website. It's at www.reverendjstuartglover.com. Um, you can, it, there on that website, you can sign up as a, as a guest uh, on the show. You can uh, leave me a voicemail. I, like, I love the technology. You can leave me a voicemail right on the website. You can leave your comments on, on the episodes. All of our episodes are open for criticism. We'd love to hear from you. You can also register as a guest on the show and contact me directly by email right there through the website. I want to thank the, um, the people around the world who have, who have joined in as part of this listening community. There are people from, from Asia, from Singapore, from the Philippines, from, from um, Korea, from Africa, from Dublin, Ireland. I, I want to thank all those people for, for joining in and, and being a part of this listening community. So with that, I just want to say that um, my prayers are with you and I pray for you, the strengthening of your faith and that God would sustain you through your struggles. I believe that God is a God who has entered into our struggle. The Bible's, the biblical text begins very early with the story that, that God rescued his people. He called his people out of their slavery and bondage. And I'm suggesting, I'm proposing to you today that God is willing to do that for you as well. Thank you so much for listening and being present with me. God bless you. And I will hear from you next Sunday at the same time. God bless you.